The Lifestylist, episode 21, featuring Shannon Drake. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Our show today, folks, is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, one of my favorite companies in the world of medicinal mushrooms. So Four Sigmatic make these amazing little packets of herbal and superfood elixirs. They're delicious, they're super potent, very high quality herbs, and they're really, really easy to use. So they're a standalone drink. You can make them hot or cold. They come in a little packet. It's a powder. You stir it up, blend it, you're good to go. Or you can add it to an existing drink like a Bulletproof Coffee, for example. If you caught my episode one and got the episode upgrade, or you happen to have seen it on YouTube, I make an amazing recipe called Supercharged Bulletproof Coffee in which I use Four Sigmatic Herbs. So it's one of my favorite companies. I use their stuff all the time. I absolutely stand behind them. They are badass. What's even more badass is that I got you a little hookup, my friend. That's right. We got you covered with a 15% off coupon at foursigmatic.com. Go to the site, enter this code, the lifestylist, and you will save 15%. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code, the lifestylist, for a 15% discount. And if you'd like a recommendation on where to start once you get there, I would definitely get cracking on the chaga and the Rishi blends. Those are two of my very favorite drinks. And chaga is kind of difficult to make on your own. And when you boil it like I do, you really only get the water extraction and not the fat soluble extraction in which you would have to use alcohol. So they use a dual extraction, which you're going to hear about in episode eight with Taro Isakalpila, the co-founder of the company. So enjoy your medicinal mushrooms, stay healthy, stay strong, stay well, enjoy the lifestyle. How you feeling, family? I'm feeling hella good. You know why? Because I'm Luke Story, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. And our guest today is my friend, Shannon Drake. And Shannon is a real Renaissance woman. She's very funny and interesting and gives a great interview. She's an entrepreneur and has moved from the fashion industry into the health and wellness as well as marijuana edible space. So we really hear from her how she became a businesswoman, how she started these companies, how she's made them thrive, and some of the challenges that she's experienced along the way. And then we really go into the world of drugs, baby. (laughs) We talk about the fine line between destructive drug habits and using drugs as medicine. So this is like street drugs versus spirit drugs, I guess you could say. Some of the ins and outs of the marijuana edibles business, the difference between THC and CBD, you might not know, but you can take parts of the marijuana plant that don't get you high but are really good for you. We talk about microdosing on psychedelic drugs to improve performance. Shannon's one of the very few people that I've hung out with in my life that does a fair amount of drugs, is very open and honest about that, and seems to really have her shit together, which is so rare. I find usually, at least the people that I hang out with, they've either either been down that road like I have and we're like, okay, cool, I'm done with that, 
or else they kind of just aren't interested in it. But she's managed to, I think, avoid some of the really toxic, dangerous drugs and find some of them that can be used medicinally as well as um, in a way that expands your consciousness. And I know this is something that people are talking a lot about now. So I wanted to make sure I covered that. And we really did a great job. This is a very extensive interview into just taking a more broad view on the use of drugs. And by the end of the show, you'll have to decide for yourself uh, which direction you want to go with that. I would always recommend that if you feel like you're having a problem with drugs, seek help. That's what I had to do <laughs> back in the day. So if life's getting dangerous, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting other people, I would definitely uh, find a way to mitigate that problem. But outside of that, if you're one of those people that can kind of handle it and experiment, hey, the sky's the limit. Go nuts, just keep out of jail. I would also like to remind you to share this episode with someone you know who might benefit from this material. You can also go to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter. When you do that, I'm not going to send you a bunch of weird emails. I'm going to send you awesome, super rad stuff like all of the show notes and links and resources from each and every podcast that I release every week. So you can look forward to some great free content in your inbox. That's at lukestory.com. Just opt in to join my tribe and I'll send you some really cool stuff. And don't miss next week's episode, number 22, with David Wolf. Yes, Mr. David Wolf. I've been wanting to get him on the show for a while and following his work for a long time. If you don't know who he is, you must be very new to the health scene. He's kind of a veteran. I think he has 7 million Facebook fans at this point, so maybe you're one of them. And uh, we have a really good talk about just what it's like to live a life as a health food pioneer and guru. Very interesting. Can't wait to share that with you next Tuesday. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Today's guest is Shannon Drake, a serial entrepreneur, wellness alchemist, and spirit realm trailblazer. Deemed a cultural revolutionary by Dr. Christopher Ryan, she has created and launched over 30 consumer products in the personal care, nutrition, and medical marijuana industries. When Shannon is not boldly balancing on the bleeding edge of human optimization, she can be found deepening her kundalini yoga practice, busting out some ecstatic dance moves, or inspiring those around her to live life to the fullest from her home in Los Angeles, California. Find her projects at GiveMeTheDirt.com and JomboSuperfoods.com. So here we are with Shannon Drake. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you. Yeah, so Shannon and I have had a super fun night. We went to Kundalini Yoga with Tej at Nine Treasures Yoga. Then we went to Bel Campo, you know, my usual drill, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, the same crap I do every day, but it's great to be able to do the things that I love with someone who also appreciates these things and then to get to do a show about it. So for, I want to find out what your experience was and how you were before we went to that class. But today, for some reason, I was, I was a little bit anxious. I felt like I drank too much coffee, but I didn't. I had my one cuff of like half decaf beans this morning, half regular. I was pretty chill. I didn't do any spastic smart drugs. But for some reason, just I think today, you know, I had to do my admin and my real job kind of stuff because I took Monday off. Today's Tuesday. So it was just a little bit, I don't know, I guess there was just some stress. But on the way to that class, I was feeling less than awesome and just kind of like eh, a little bit amped up. I was doing some... 
uh, alternate nostril box breathing on the way up there, you know, it's like really will calm me down. And then we got in the class and it was just, of course, like always the most amazing experience. And then we walked out, I was a totally different person. So starting the night out, where were you when we walked in and, and what was the experience like? Well, it's funny you mentioned the box breathing because I was going to suggest that we do that. Uh, but the class was so effective. I didn't feel like we needed to do it. But yeah, I was I was a little um, excited. You know, I had to drive across town in L.A. at rush hour, which is always a, a blood pressure raising experience. And then hanging out with you was going to be fun. So I was really amped up and kind of in a you know frantic state where it was hard for me to like focus on finding a parking spot and then I couldn't find the place because it was like a martial arts studio not a yoga studio which I remember you you told me but my brain was just going so fast it was hard to like lock in on uh, achieving the goal but after the class it was perfect she like kicked her ass a little bit and put us into a real nice meditative state and it was exactly what I needed. I would like to be able to go do a Kundalini class with every podcast guest. <laughs> like, would, so far, I've got two. Like I did that with Tony Wrighton as well. We yeah. did all kinds of stuff that day. But I think it's a great kind of um, way to set the tone and just kind of, you know, create space for that. So I was really glad we're able to knock out two birds at one stone. And now I owe you a spin at your Kundalini class. Yeah, on you got to come with night. me to Yoga Galactica. Yeah, so I'm I'm absolutely in for that. So I'd like to start out talking about you know who you are and what you do, so that our listeners can kind of get to know you. I in my bathroom down the hall have your toothpaste, which I'm obsessed with, and uh, you know it's funny to some people one toothpaste might be the same as another, but because I'm so into just personal care products and just good quality things to put in and on your body. From the moment I got that, it's, I think it's cacao. Rose cacao mint. Yeah, rose cacao mint with MCT oil. Yeah. Which is funny because if it wasn't in that tube, you could just give someone a spoonful of it and just be like, hey, try this new you know, yeah. pudding I got or something, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I could trick my friends into eating it. I don't swallow it only because I don't want to swallow my gross germs out of yeah. my mouth, but it's totally edible and delicious. But I got to say, it makes my teeth feel like I just went to the dentist to have them clean. Whatever's in there, whatever's abrasive in there is working. You found a good formula. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I always make my products for myself and I have really high standards for how something performs, how it tastes, what it makes me feel like and what it's made out of. So that toothpaste was made for me. And then it was, it, it's so good. I had to make it for everybody else, even though the rose oil in there, it's like an organic rose oil, which is really hard to find. And it costs some extreme amount of money, but we had to make it happen. So I'm glad you enjoy it. No, it's amazing. So, um, and we met through our mutual friend, Daniel Vitalis. And I remember because I picked him up one day to take him to LAX. He's like, oh, I'm staying with some friends downtown. And we drove way out to kind of the arts district yeah. and kind of east, the eastern part of downtown. And, uh, but I didn't meet you. He just went inside. He's like, oh, my friend has like a really cool edibles company and da, da, da. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's kind of all I knew about you. And then we ended up, of course, uh, meeting again at the Bulletproof Conference. And I was introduced to another one of your products, which was the ghee mm -hmm. that was at Daniel's party that night, which was infused with CBD. 
Yeah. And so I want to, I also want to get into talking about that because <laughs> our friend Jason has a oyster company. God, I wish I could remember the name right now. I'll put it in the show notes. I don't have it in front of me, but it's awesome. He has like a catering company just for oysters. So they bring in like really high, high end oysters to your party or event. So I'm there pounding down oysters and then, um, there's this like melted ghee there and I start just putting dollops of that on the oysters. And I think I slash we discovered a new delicacy <laughs> because that was like the tastiest fucking thing ever. I mean, seriously. And and what was funny about it is I, I remember thinking as I ate probably 25 oysters that night <laughs> is I mean, literally, because yeah. there was just hundreds of oysters so and no one is really eating them because everyone's just kind of drinking and partying. And my party was oysters. <laughs> so I must have eaten probably 25 or 30 oysters, maybe even more. I mean, I was sitting there the whole night at that picnic table and we got, you know, a private shucker. And then I started putting this ghee on there. And it was funny because it tasted so delicious that I kept adding it. And then I thought, Everyone puts melted butter on uh, lobster and crab. And I was like, why has no one, at least that I'm aware of, no one's ever thought of, maybe they have, it just hasn't become popular at restaurants, putting like melted ghee or butter on oysters. And that was the most delicious thing ever. But after about my 26th oyster with like a tablespoon of ghee in the shell, (laughs) just amazing. Then I looked on the side and there was like a little marijuana leaf. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I realized it was just the CBD. Yeah, which does not get you high. Yeah. So so you have some really cool stuff going on. And, and I want to back up a bit. Just, you know, I'm just super into your products that I've had so far. And then actually, I had some of your edibles on the way there, too. Oh, did you? Yeah, which were also, I think, um, had some kind of herbs in them. I forget exactly. Yeah. They were kind of small, little bite-sized. Yeah, we have guys. a couple of those. Yeah, and they were amazing because, you know, I'm at this conference all day and now we have to go to a party like at 10 at night. So I needed something. I was taking anything and everything to make that happen. But let's back up way back in the time machine, Shannon, to you being in the fashion industry because I feel this like kindred spirit with you because we both you know, come from that world, you managed to seemingly totally escape it, for lack of a better term, while I'm still in it and enjoying what I do. But I definitely escaped a part of it, which is my former life as a stylist. So bring us back into your corporate and your marketing and all the things you've done before, before you became this amazing, as your business card says, head bitch in charge. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Seriously, you guys, on her card, it's like, you know, Shannon Drake. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what is the HBNC? HBIC. HBIC, yeah, yeah. HBIC. (laughs) I was like, I know what that acronym stands for. (laughs) So how did the head bitch in charge get her start? Well, way back before I had a job, I went to art school uh, for fine arts. And, uh, I just, you know, graduated art school, couldn't find a job, had a friend who was like, hey, you have a talent for social media and my company is starting a new company and they need a social media expert. It's called Just Fab. It's a shoe of the month club. And this was back when like of the month clubs were really hot. Uh, It's kind of like shoe dazzle. Uh, We ended up buying shoe dazzle later on. Uh, 
And she's like, why don't you come interview? I was like, okay, well, you know, I've never had like an office job. I came from the art world. I was like, you know, a gallery assistant. I'll try. So I put together this big PowerPoint, impressed the CEO, and they hired me. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I can do this, but just full disclosure, I've never had a corporate job, so I might need a little guidance. Long story short, they like get me in there. I'm the fourth employee. We had 33 Facebook fans total, like no Twitter. There wasn't even Pinterest at the time, like starting from scratch. And they're kind of like, yeah, we don't have enough budget to get you any help. So just make it work. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, okay. So for, I was there for two and a half or three years. I was just on my own doing the social media marketing, doing the branding. I came up with all the strategy. By the time I quit, we went from 44 Facebook fans, somewhere around there, to 1.2 million Facebook fans, thousands of people on Twitter. We had a Pinterest. Pinterest had come around at the time. And uh, the company was just huge. They had, I think when I quit, there was 250 employees. They were flying me to New York to take people to Fashion Week. They were like putting me up in the Trump, Soho, all kinds of crazy stuff, you know. I was wearing like $200 shoes. <laughs> it was a crazy full-blown fast fashion LA scene. And it was great and fun and I was really good at it. But it was somebody else's dream job. It wasn't mine. And I really started to realize that later in the game when it the company got bigger and you know, people were there who like really loved fashion and they were really passionate. And that contrast between how I felt and how they felt made it obvious to me that it was time for me to leave. I just had an epiphany and something in regard to what we were talking about when we were having grass-fed burgers together. And that is, it sounds like in your fashion career that you had talent but you didn't have passion. Uh-huh. Like somebody else I know. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is kind of what ended up happening with me in a, in a in the capacity of my fashion career and then also realizing actually just realizing tonight having a, a yoga a yogic awakening that my prior life to that in the music industry I think I had the passion but I didn't really have the talent, you know. Yeah, you got to find the sweet spot yeah, when it comes together. Yeah, to the degree. So so I think what you're finding now and we're going to dig into a little bit more is you married your passion with your talent. And that's like why you have two great companies that are doing really well and growing and, you know, it's your thing. So how do you manage to get out of the fashion and into your own thing? Well, I started off doing consulting after work, doing social media consulting. Ended up with the help of my partner, Joe, quitting my job and doing consulting full time. And again, I was in a position where I was really talented, but didn't have the passion. And I kind of had to force myself to do work every day, which was, it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my clients. You know, they deserved to have somebody who was super passionate working for them. And I mean, I did good work for them, but, you know, there was something else there. And so funny enough, uh, one of my girlfriends, she's this really amazing life coach. And her name's Sally Hope. Uh, she wanted me to help her with her social media marketing. I was like, oh yeah, totally, Sally. I'll help you like pro bono. You're my girlfriend. But I don't really know what you do. Like, I don't know the process. I don't, I don't know what, you know, I have to sell this to people. So what am I selling them? Can you coach me for like a month so I have a really good idea of 
what I'm selling people. And at the time I was legitimately just wanted to help her with marketing. I wasn't trying to like get free coaching out of her or something. I actually thought, you know, I didn't need life coaching. But in the course of that month of her coaching me so I could help her with her social media marketing, she talked me out of being a marketing consultant and talked me into starting my business because this whole time I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm making all of my own products because I love doing it and my standards for products are so high I couldn't find any that fit what I thought was acceptable. And so along with, you know, a multitude of other friends talking me into it, I finally I finally was like, "Okay, guys, I'll try it." And so that's how I started the company in the first place. And so tell us what your two companies are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my first company is called The Dirt and the website's givemethedirt.com. We make mostly really fancy schmancy high-end oral care products and a couple skincare products and some perfumes because I just love formulating perfumes. Do you have any uh, man perfumes? Yeah, I actually all oh, of, you do? all of my scents are unisex. Oh, cool. Yeah, I really I like that sort of angle on things. I'll have to try some. Yeah, yeah. I have I have some essential oil deodorant from uh, Living Libations, uh-huh. which I hear actually it's great. Daniel turned me on to. It's amazing, but it's you know it's I mean it's a little like roll on deodorant. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I swear to God, like almost every time I ever get near a female. Like give him a hug or something like, oh my God, what are you wearing? What does that smell? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not going to let on. You know, <laughs> like, of course. I just smell like that. Well, what it doesn't you... sound sexy when you're like, that's my deodorant, you know, but yeah. it's not a cologne either. So I'm, I'm kind of getting into this idea of, you know, obviously I'm not going to put some Hugo Boss, like toxic ass spray. Yeah. <laughs> like, that stuff doesn't really smell like, that good Like anyways. when you walk by like the mall at the Abercrombie and Fitch store or something, it's like this this chemtrail of like weird <laughs> fucking GMO. I don't know what smells coming out of there, but it is nice as, as a man, it is nice to like actually have something that, you know, and it's not just to mask BO, but just something that's nice to smell. Yeah. I've been really into essential oils. I have my doTERRA oils and it was one of those things that I don't know. I think a lot of guys, the guys that I know and speaking for myself, when it comes to wearing some sort of essential oils or body fragrance, we're like, oh, I don't, need, I don't need that, yeah. you know, or that it's not, I don't know, not like I hang around a bunch of macho jocks or something, but it's like, I just thought essential oils were kind of fake ass, to be honest with you. I was like, they don't really do anything. And, you know, it's just like some yeah. kind of woo-woo, like new agey stuff. Yeah. But when I got a hold of some, like I really am super getting into them. And then I realized when you're wearing essential oils, people get really happy around you. They do. Very cool. Yeah. And the thing I really like about essential oils is they tend to blend into your skin instead of sitting on top of your skin. So it kind of becomes a scent enhancement and not a cover up, which is a big part of my total philosophy with personal care products is You know, our bodies are made to repair themselves. They're made to function at a high level. We're basically like Ferraris if we treat ourselves right. And a lot of mainstream products, they don't look at us like that. They look at us like we're broken and something's wrong. Like, ooh, you have smell. I need to stop the smell. That's completely backwards. That's like anti-human. I like making being human awesome. So when I look at these products, I'm like, okay, well... You know, we're living in this world that's not exactly how we evolved to be. 
So we obviously need a little bit of help adapting. So yeah, we need to use toothpaste once in a while because we eat food that sticks to our teeth now, or you know, we're not chewing on twigs like we once would or hard foods. So we'll make a toothpaste that aids in cleaning, but it doesn't have any bacterial weird things in it or foaming agents or all these strange things that kill the good bacteria in your mouth along with the bad. You don't need a perfume that's going to cover up your smell. Like you might want to smell a little better, a little extra. So we'll put a little essential oil. You know, you might have dry skin because you're in an air conditioned office all day long. So we have skin serums that are nice and helpful. But I mean, we just go overkill with personal care products and it's not good for you because much like you know, when you take certain hormones or medications, your body stops making its own version of that hormone, much like with your skin. If you're just like constantly putting all these weird chemical lotions on your skin, or even worse, acne medications, they dry your skin out to such an, uh, an extent that you get a worse reaction to it, which, I mean, if you want to get conspiracy theory, it's a good way to sell a lot of products. No, you know, that's, that's funny. I think, I don't know, God, probably 15 years ago, the principle was posed that your skin is your largest organ and that anything you put on your skin is just like eating it. And, and, and that sounds like unscientific, but if you think about anything you take and just rub on your arm, it goes away. Yeah. So where did it go? <laughs> it yeah. didn't evaporate into the air unless it's alcohol, right? I mean, you yeah. can put like an alcohol-based perfume and it might be wet for a second, then maybe it evaporates, but that is going into your pores, like right into you. So I've had the philosophy for a long time. I don't put anything on my body unless I could eat it. Now, am I going to, you know, drink an eight ounce glass of Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap? No. But I don't think it would kill me if, if I did, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because a lot of people I talk to are like, oh, yeah, your skin absorbs stuff, but, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, you're not supposed to play with mercury if you break a thermometer, right? Because it soaks through your skin and poisons you. Like, everything soaks into your skin to a certain extent and accumulated over a lifetime there's no way to study what it does to you. They can't do a controlled study for 50 years to see if putting this weird lead-filled lipstick on your mouth gives you some strange effect. Oh, my God. So let's talk fashion industry, okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we want to go down the makeup road, but, um, you know, due to the fact that I come from that world and still work in it to varying degrees, you know, I know like my business partner, Lauren, she will not wear any lipstick except Chanel. It's like the best lipstick. And it has, you know, I mean, I agree. It has the greatest logo. I mean, who doesn't love Chanel? What a great brand, you yeah. know? But it's funny that the most expensive and luxurious lipstick in the world doesn't have like, it's lead free. That's what makes it the <laughs> best, you know? Yeah. And that, that you can, like you can't paint your house with lead paint but you can paint your lips with lead paint. I just love the irony in in the world. Isn't that weird? Oh man, it's everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you literally can't go to Home Depot and be like, hey, you know, I'm gonna paint um, the, the roof of my garage. Can I please get some leaded paint? You can't go to any gas station and say, hey, I'd like to, you know, I got an old car from the 50s, 57 Chevy. It's just dying for some leaded fuel. Can you hook it up? <laughs> like you can't get anything with lead in it except shit you put on your lips. Yeah. It's really, really backwards. 
really strange. It's weird, right? Well, because the makeup and cosmetics industry is like basically unregulated at all. You can almost put whatever you want in makeup in the United States. And there's not like a good culture about looking at the ingredients of your makeup like we have with food, right? So I always crack up when I see these girls in like, you know, Erewhon, which is this really high-end store here in LA that sells groceries, looking at the ingredients of everything, paying like $20 for a kombucha, and then they're wearing bright red lipstick. Like, girl, that bright red lipstick has got some weird stuff in it. Like, if you're gonna be that into what you're putting in your body, be at least half into what you're putting on your body. It so, just doesn't make sense. So let's play devil's advocate, though. Do you think your lips actually have pores where the lead goes in? Yeah, it's called your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I'm thinking about, like, if you look at your arm or, like, your hand, I mean, you can literally see the pores. So yeah. you, can, you figure, like, wow, anything I rub right there, put right there is going in. But I don't know, your lips almost seem like you know, no pun intended, sealed. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't feel like if I put something on my lips, it's going into the lip and then into my yep. bloodstream. But, you, but it's getting on the food you're putting in your mouth and then you're swallowing it. Right. You're probably swallowing more lipstick than you absorb, like, foundation into your body. Right. So, okay, so you have your Chanel lipstick full of lead, right? And the lead is what, I don't know why they put in there. It's white. Oh, really? It's opaque, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're, um, you know, we have the Chanel lipstick on. I say we're, like I'm wearing Chanel lipstick. <laughs> it not, looks great on you, by not, the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm working on the shade. So, and then I'm having this, you know, raw, uh, cold pressed, super great green juice. And then like the girl, let's just say the girl, because I keep picturing myself. It's just not a pretty picture wearing like clown makeup, <laughs> drinking green juice. So the girl, gorgeous girl, she's got this Chanel lipstick on, drinking that green juice. Then I'm seeing all that um, lipstick residue get around the rim of the glass. And then she keeps like drinking out of that same, um, or that uh, bottle, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening is it's ending up in whatever you drink and whatever you eat. Yeah. And on the face of everyone you kiss. Right. 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 I mean, you could play devil's advocate and say, like, of all the sins in the world, like, I can keep my red lipstick. I mean, it's totally up to you. But if you're going to go after a healthy lifestyle, why not go all the way? Because there's there are lipsticks that don't have lead in them. They're not Chanel and they might be a little less opaque, but you can still get that nice red look with a natural lip gloss. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, totally. Yeah, they're out there. You have to hunt a little bit. They're not going to be at Sephora. But they're online. Right. That's that's good to know. Okay, so let's let's go back. You know, as I, I warned you, my I won't even call them interviews, but my chats that we do here are totally nonlinear, just off the cuff. And I just love to wing it and totally down with that. And just hang. But I also do like to, you know, loosely sew together some narrative. And I just wanna know. Let's go back to you making this transition and your, um, you know, life coach friend says, hey, ditch this freelance marketing thing you're doing. It's not your passion. Start your own company. So what does that look like? How do you turn your first edible or your first toothpaste or lotion or something into dollars in your bank account? Huh, that's a good question. Well, for me, it was basically coming up with a really solid product that I felt like I could sell people and ask for money and feel good about it. 
And my first product was actually a lip balm. I uh, I got a really bad sunburn when I was like 20 and it totally messed up my lips, like bleeding, horrible. I tried every single lip salve that existed, whether it was Burt's Bees or some chemical filled $75 tub of whatever. And none of them worked in the sense that once they wore off, my lips are back to square one. So I thought to myself, like, how can I make a product that works? What's my unique knowledge that these other companies don't have? And it came from a really strange place. I had a love of cultural anthropology in college. I took way too many cultural anthropology classes. And I was really fascinated with traditional health and beauty sort of um, practices and what they used. And I thought to myself, what are some of the best traditional beauty ingredients. Like everyone knows about cocoa butter and coconut oil. There's got to be something out there that someone hasn't picked up on yet. And for the lip balm, it ended up being ghee, grass-fed ghee, used in mm, India for tasty. thousands of years. <laughs> how do you keep How do you keep from licking your lips though? <laughs> <laughs> My, I would have to reapply it like every 30 seconds because I'd just be like, nom, nom. like it's so good. <laughs> yeah, which would not be good for your lips. But luckily, it, it's it's like a it's a nice thick sort of formula that doesn't wear off very quickly, and it it worked. But I didn't believe it worked at first. I thought it was some fluke. It only worked on me, so I gave it to a whole bunch of my girlfriends. And when my my girlfriend Erin, she has uh, she had psoriasis or she had some sort of really chronic skin condition, when she called me and was like, "I need more because it's fixing my skin." I was then confident in selling it. So I think the first step is get a product you feel good about. Then you got to get a website. And I mean, I can talk your ear off about e-commerce. I don't know if that'd be super exciting. But uh, you get the website up. You got to find your audience. So for me, I started with the um, paleo movement. I was really into that. At the time, I've been paleo-ish for 10 years on and off. I first learned about it in college. Uh, wow, you're an early adopter. I am a chronic in, early adopter. We're in 2015 now. I mean, I don't think I heard that word until, God, two, three years ago. Yeah, so hot right now. Yeah, I learned about it in a cultural anthropology class in college. My teacher was really ahead of the time. But uh, yeah, so I started marketing to that community and they're great super passionate early adopters. They've just supported the hell out of me. It's been awesome. I love them. Uh, and then from there, it was just kind of, you know, keep doing the thing, keep answering the emails, keep optimizing the Facebook ads, just work, 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 work. And it's been a a crazy, enjoyable, stressful, amazing, hard, tear-inducing, laughter-inducing journey. <laughs> I understand. It's the battle of the entrepreneur. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the love-hate relationship with your your passion project. Yes. So, okay, so you've got the dirt and you're making personal care products and that's going well. When does the edibles company come in and how does how did California law uh, affect that company? Yes. So, that company was kind of the brainchild. Well, it was the brainchild of my partner, Joe. He was really into edibles and yoga the entire time we were together. And uh, he's a very healthy guy. He was in a deep 
yoga meditation at our gal our peace yoga gallery where we were going to yoga at the time in downtown LA and kind of doing a check of his life like how are my habits and the only thing he can come up with that might be an issue is like I'm eating a lot of these edibles you know should I be taking this much marijuana and after thinking and being like well I'm in I'm in yoga right now I have a health food business I have a great girlfriend I have a good relationship with my parents no, it's actually helping me a lot. It's making me a better person. But it's coming in Jolly Ranchers, and I'm the CEO of a health food company. Why am I eating this medicinal herb in poison? So we looked around the LA basin. We went to all the high-end dispensaries, asked if they had any gluten-free options, if they had any healthy options, and all they had were vegan brownies. Now, Oreos are vegan, and Coca-Cola's vegan, it like does not necessarily mean it's healthy. It's an ethical choice. So we realized on the drive home, if there's going to be a healthy edible, we're the people to do it. We had the health food company already. We had the idea on December like 15th, 2013, had our first prototype January 10th, sold it January 12th. And from then on, it was kind of a little bit of a hobby because due to California law, it's kind of gray. There wasn't a lot of regulation. So we spent a good six to eight months just trying to figure out if we could do it. Is it legal? How can we make it legal? You know, where do you get supplies? It's not like making my toothpaste. I just go on the website and I order from my supplier, you know, 40 pounds of clay. Can you just like go to Venice Beach and buy an eighth off some teenager? <laughs> Find the drum circle? Yeah. Not that easy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not when you're at a production level. Uh, so we figured out we could do it. You know, it was it was legal to do it. And we found a farmer. We joined up with them. We got the nonprofit. We set up the whole compu- complicated California structure because in California, marijuana companies can't be for profit. They have to be a nonprofit. So we had to set that up. I'd never set up a nonprofit in my life. How do you do that? And, you know... You have to totally segregate it into this nonprofit. So it was a little bit of a logistical challenge to do that. But about six months ago, we decided that it was full steam ahead. The laws are changing in our favor. It looks super sunny for the cannabis industry right now. And we hired two full-time sales guys and they went out there and they're killing it. In six months, we got 50 locations that carry us now, which is a huge achievement in the cannabis industry because... Unlike health food, where I can call up Lassen's and ask for their buyer, dispensaries don't want to talk to you. If you're like, I have a new product, they're like, leave. It's a very guarded, very defensive industry at the moment. So it's like blood, sweat, and tears to get your products into the dispensaries. But we're doing it. And that product is called Jumbo. Jumbo Superfoods. Jumbo Superfoods, right. Yeah. Okay, so I want to make the distinction here because there's going to be some people like me like when i thought that i had eaten the wrong ghee and i was gonna get high as shit off these magic oysters (laughs) (laughs) it's not that i have any problem like you know i'm all for drugs if people do it safely i don't you know people can smoke crack for all i care it's totally cool whatever one wants to do just for me i like being super clear and i don't want to do anything that's going to deviate my level of presence and awareness so i don't want to smoke weed i kind of been there done that 
you know, I got I got an early start in the 70s in Northern California. People always say, well, where are you from? I said, have you ever heard of Humboldt? I go, yeah, it was close to that. <laughs> you know? So I think I've had my fill and I've kind of outgrown that particular phase in life right now. But uh, there are some people that might be interested in some of the actual medicinal, not psychoactive effects. So let's let's differentiate for people the difference between CBD which is a byproduct of cannabis, and then cannabis products that have THC. So THC, whatever the hell that stands for, I always forget, probably because I, I had too much THC when I was in <laughs> high school. I, I burned out that particular uh, memory portion of the brain. But, you know, THC is what gets you high. And then CBD, it's crazy. I mean, if you do, if you just Google, like, CBD cancer cure, I mean, there's hundreds of, like, studies and websites and all sorts of amazing claims about this magical part of the plant that doesn't have any psychoactive effect on you. And I know you guys make both uh, because I've had your ghee at least. So what would be the point, for example, of having a CBD edible, like if I'm not trying to get high? Yeah. So CBD is great. It's one of the 200 plus cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. Uh, the cannabis plant is a magical plant. It has so many uses. Uh, but CBD, uh, it is one of the most effective anti-inflammatories on the market right now. You'll see like on the news, um, kids with seizures, it helps reduce and sometimes cure seizures. Cancer patients are using it. It's just a general, like for someone who's healthy, it's a homeostasis tool. So it, much like you would take vitamin C or you would, you know, add maca to your diet to become healthier. We just did that. Yeah, it was amazing <laughs> maca. Longevity power. Shout out to Christian Bates at Longevity Power. I just turned Shannon onto his 10 times extract maca powder, which I is, had a moment. It was so delicious. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> like most people that give it to, they they're like, "Oh, that's nice." You were like, "What is this?" <laughs> Yeah, which is amazing stuff. We'll put it in the show notes. So yeah, so carry on. Yeah, so for like for me, I'm a, I'm a very healthy person. I take a little bit daily just to uh, regulate my system. So humans have an endocannabinoid system that is all throughout your body. And it is my armchair science theory is much like we have a serotonin system that needs to be properly stimulated to keep us at a happy level. Our endocannabinoid system is a homeostasis system also. So CBD stimulates that system without getting you high. So you get that same homeostasis effect without having to take the THC. Now for some diseases, they're finding that mixing the THC with the CBD is more effective. There's just not a lot of research on it right now because it's been illegal for so long and it's been just suppressed by the government yeah reefer madness propaganda that's uh, crazy but fortunately in israel they've been doing a lot of research so we're getting a lot of research out of there wow what an unlikely uh liberal <laughs> research area that's <laughs> hard to imagine i mean speaking of liberal you know i grew up some of the time in colorado and that's where my dad's you know lived forever and pretty conservative place you know a lot of a lot of cowboys uh, my dad was a cowboy. I mean, go, you know, growing up in Northern California, 
uh, marijuana was just part of the culture. I mean, my teachers in school smoked weed. You could tell, you know, it's like <laughs> they wore corduroy pants. I mean, of course they smoked <laughs> weed. You know? like, corduroy <laughs> pants, side effect of smoking marijuana. Totally. I forgot like, mine The today. wide whale corduroy though, you know, and uh, only the, in like, earth really tones. really ribby a, stuff. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very specific, but I mean, it was just so much part of the culture. Everyone grew weed outdoors. And I mean, it was just, I don't know. It's just, it's the way it was, you know? And, um, and then going to Colorado, it was like, oh, my God. I remember being a kid and, like, looking for weed there. I had to move there at some point when I was in high school. And I was like, all right, where's the stoner kids? And they're like, weren't stoner kids. I was really? the only, yeah, I was the only one. It was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I finally found a couple little trench coat mafia fringe dwellers somewhere. You know, I look for the kid with the mohawk or whatever and the army jacket and you figure it out but uh it was very conservative so it's interesting now when you go in colorado i was there a few months ago visiting my dad and i was driving through an area uh kind of near telluride and you drive by like a huge weed store and it's like this warehouse yeah. it's just crazy i mean it's fully fully legal like an Amsterdam kind of situation yeah i went into a store there when i was there and it was like an apple store it was Glass cases, bright white lights, the shop help people had headsets on. It was so strange. I mean, it was great. And I was very excited. They had a, a very legitimate operation going on. But it was kind of interesting because when I think of cannabis, I think, you know, yoga and hippies and warm and fuzzy and, you know, wood grain stuff. And to walk into this, like, operating room <laughs> kind of place to buy marijuana it just seemed like, oh, this is an interesting way to do it. I would have never come up with this. But you're getting that kind of diversity because the market is so huge there. Being legal, they get people from all walks of life. How does that work for you in California with your company when you want to make, say, like, can you ship your CBD product to Kentucky or, you know, someplace <laughs> where, you know, it's definitely not legal, never going to be legal. Is CBD kosher across state lines or is that even weird because it's a cannabis product? How does that? Well, some states are passing CBD only laws, which is an interesting thing to do because you can make a pair of hemp jeans and ship them anywhere. But for some reason, if you extract the oil out of the hemp plant, then it's suspect. It's not illegal, but it's like this weird gray sort of strange anomaly that for some reason the liquid of the plant, which does not get you high at all, gets the side eye, but like paper, fuel, clothing, bags made out of it is fine. So to sell THC products, it depends on the state law. Like in uh, Colorado, we would have to find a partner there who has a license to process. Uh, we would have to like basically license them our intellectual property, kind of like how KFC gives the secret spice blend to their franchisees. 
but they fry the chicken. I saw some kid on Twitter the other day who got fired from KFC and he he gave up the ingredients of the really? secret spice plant on Twitter. Yeah. He was like disgruntled employees like, you know what? F you. Here's the recipe. <laughs> so classic. I just corn syrup and cayenne pepper. Well, that's what was funny. They were all like, just, you know, innocent kind of herbs. I was like, I don't think so, bro. You left out like the 95% MSG. <laughs> yeah. He didn't give that one up or maybe he was unaware <laughs> of it. don't tell him about that part. <laughs> yeah. So, so interesting. So, okay. So you have a little more freedom in California, but then you have to go into these kind of strange partnership relationships yeah. and licensing where you would essentially give them your recipe and your formula and the branding. And then you guys have to do some kind of rev share. Yeah, and it's different for each state, and as the laws mature, it's going to change. But at the moment, that's the kind of gold standard for how you do these sort of deals. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's really I imagine, complicated. I imagine it's going to open up more and more. It's coming fast. Yeah. I've been going to a lot of industry events, and there's more suits and more politicians at every event. Like that less are... dreadlocks and bong rips in the parking lot? Yeah, I haven't seen any of that. It's very serious. It reminds me a lot of the early tech scene. It's very hot right now. Uh, so it's going to come down the pipe really fast, I think. I think it's going to be really good. I am definitely passionate about making sure there's an advocate for the spiritual side of the plant out there. That's kind of what our main mission is at Jumbo Superfoods. There's plenty of people doing dabs and eating Doritos, and if that's your thing... There's companies that will serve you, but if you want to eat some edibles and meditate, go for a run, jog, you know, do jujitsu, we're that company. Okay, so I'd, I'd like to talk about that because in my own personal experience, only a couple times did I ever eat weed, and that was... You know, like at Grateful Dead shows back in the early nineties. <laughs> you know, of course, somebody's chocolate chip. Yeah, I mean, cookie. you're doing you're doing everything with that you possibly could with weed at that point. But I remember personally not really liking it for for two reasons: a because it took too damn long to take effect, and like you know, I want it kind of now. I'm about to go in the show and like trip out to drums in space or whatever. <laughs> I don't want to like miss that window and like, oh shit, it hit me in the parking lot and in gridlock. This is awesome. Um, and then it was, you know, it took too long, but it was also really tough to gauge the dose. Like yeah. I didn't know if I was going to get all sleepy or if I was going to get giddy. So I always opted for the smoking option, but it seems like now... It, it's also kind of more socially acceptable and seems a little more mature and dare I say like spiritually viable to eat something uh, in a medicinal setting rather than like, oh, we're smoking weed and then going to yoga. For somehow when you like smoke it, it's more of a stoner move, but when you eat it, it's, I don't know, it's more mature, like respectable or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is funny because the yogis in India smoke it and then go do yoga. But I totally get what you're saying. Well, to address your uh, point about the timing and the dosing, that's the big side effect of it being illegal. Because you don't know what you're getting. You don't know how much is in the product. That's what happens when a market is black market. So now that the markets are kind of coming above board and and you're getting serious companies in the space, that's not such a problem anymore because 
companies are labeling their products like they should. And there's some sort of like a little bit amorphous, but it's their dosing standard that's coming out. So for our company, we totally saw that problem up front. And we make sure that all of our products have really clear markings on them, like how many milligrams of THC are in this product. We have dose suggestions on every product. So like for me with our edibles, I only eat a quarter of one edible. That's my sweet spot. We tell new people to start with an eighth of one edible, wait 90 minutes, see how you feel. Because anytime you start with a new product, you want to calibrate and see where how it reacts with you. So you want to wait until you have a day where you don't have much to do. You're going to be at home all day. Maybe you're going to like sweep the floors. Try the new edible. See how you feel on that amount you took. And then when you're going to go somewhere, you know how much you want to take. More, less, depending on where you want to be. And have a mature attitude about it. You're not going to just, you know go take a random amount of something, you're a grown up, you're gonna dose it out like you would with any other thing that's medicinal. Like you're gonna measure out how much chaga to put in your tea, why wouldn't you measure out how much THC you're taking? So that's kind of a way to ensure you have a better time is be a little scientific about it. That's really good advice. And that's the advice I give to my clients, especially with smart drugs. Like herbs and things like that, I mean, they're they're so mild in most cases. I don't anticipate people having a really adverse reaction if, oh, wow, I had two tablespoons of maca. It's like, you're going to be able to drive just fine. But with modafinil, for example, <laughs> I always get the smart asses are like, bro, I can handle it. And they want to take like a whole, what, 200 milligram tablet. And I'm like, don't do it. I'm warning you. And unless you want to end up in a mental hospital tonight, like start with a quarter, yeah. try that a few times, see how it goes. And then if you're not feeling anything and you think it's, you know, bogus or placebo, then try a half, then try that a few times. I mean, it's really, really important, I think, when it comes to things that affect your ability to function in the world, that you take it slow. Now, I've never followed my own advice in that respect, <laughs> you know, and even in the smart drug and the supplement world, I kind of take a bunch of stuff to the threshold of feeling really weird. And then I scale back to figure out what the right yeah, balance is. You're but, an edge seeker. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's because I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the researcher and, and I'm the human guinea pig. That's sort of my role, you know, as the lifestylist, I'm trying to optimize the lifestyle. So I'm willing to push the envelope a little bit to find that sweet spot. But um, I really think it's cool that, you know, for people that are interested in exploring different areas of their mind, that there are things available that A, are becoming legal. And as you said, as it's becoming, um, I guess, is it called white market if it's not black market? <laughs> Let's just say clear market or legal market that they, they are standardized. So you can say like, cool, you know what? I was never like into pot like in high school, but I'm going to this yoga class and it might be cool just to test this out. All right, I'll do x amount of, you know x milligrams of thc and see Start if with anything five. <laughs> yeah and see if anything happens and uh, you know i think that's a healthy way to go about it for people that aren't necessarily like oh dude like yeah. let's do drugs because i think now you know just regular people who are high functioning healthy people they're not they don't have any potential to become a drug addict or get crazy 
people are like really normal people are going on ayahuasca journeys and microdosing psychedelics and really kind of getting into this expansive uh, consciousness. And as you said, using it with more of a, a spiritual intent, I think that's really healthy to break us out of this mold that we're in, you know, to expand people's minds. I mean, I've done everything under the sun, I think, to just view myself and my life and my world from 30,000 feet rather than, you know, um, <laughs> standing a foot away from a wall looking at a painting. You know, I really want to see a broad perspective and get an open mind. So making it safe and approachable and just readily available for people is huge. I, I kind of see that we're going through this, almost what happened in the mid to late 60s, you know, with sort of the psychedelic revolution and civil rights and people just kind of started waking up in a very vibrant way. And I see that happening now, but it's happening in a much more mature way. Well, it's interesting because as we, as a culture are sort of shedding this we're realizing that we've been binging, right? We've been binging on consumerism for a long time and things and products. And we got really obsessed with making stuff. And we've kind of treated all of these plants the same way where you take a lot of it to, you know, get high. And I want to like trip out, man. For the entirety of human existence, we've taken these plants, but they've been much more in a spiritual way. Like you're going to go on a journey and you're going to talk to the ancestors or you're going to, you know, visit with the shaman and you have a goal set in mind. So we're kind of coming to the same realization with the plants where it's like, oh, you know, well, maybe if we're not binging on these things, they're actually helpful. Because if you binge on anything, it's bad for you, right? You can binge on shoes. You can binge on sugar. You can binge on cars. You only need one car, you know, so you only need a small amount of whatever plant you're taking with a goal in mind to get you to the place. And they're, they're teachers, they're, they're an intelligence, you know, they're affecting you and they're showing you a reality from a different lens that helps you process things in a way you couldn't without them. And that's what I see as a big benefit of all these plants is they're different lenses to look at the world and yourself through in a way that shows you a different angle on an issue you're dealing with or you know just life there's a clear distinction though between <laughs> see like i love talking about drugs because it's such an i just love talking about things that are taboo and you know i of course in my life have experimented i mean i'm quite the teetotaler now i would say despite you know herbs and smart drugs and things that i that i play around with but i really like just kind of being a 45 year old guy who kind of has my shit together and I don't get too crazy as far as like partying and stuff like that. But there's a definite distinction between drugs that expand your awareness and drugs that have a potential to kill your life. You know, there's, yeah. there's, it's like the, the, uh, what's the regulating the company, the company the, part of the government the that regulate the DEA, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> like the company, <laughs> it's a bad company model. Uh, you know, it's like the DEA has these classifications for drugs. And I think there's, for us, there's a totally different one. So yes. on one side you have, you know, Adderall, crystal meth, heroin, all the weird pharmaceutical opiates, um, cocaine, crack cocaine. And a lot of them are plant derived, but they're so concentrated 
or synthesized that they have such a high addiction potential. And I don't think there's really anything inherently expansive about those drugs. I mean, I've never met anyone that said, wow, you know, I started doing heroin and it's it's great. You know, I shoot up and I, <laughs> I go to yoga and I have this healthy lifestyle. I'm really into green juice. And, you know, I take that spoon and then I just clean off the, <laughs> the charred part off the bottom and I eat my goat kefir or whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't mix. That world is not does not cross over but there is a huge you know emerging subculture of people that i don't think are into any of those set of really dangerous drugs but are really into dmt and mdma and you know the ayahuasca journeys and all of this stuff and uh it's it's really interesting to watch because i think there are drugs that really can help people but I think that a lot of more conservative people or the government agencies kind of lump all of them into they're bad and they're addictive and you're going to end up, you know, selling your house. Starting two companies and (laughs) doing yoga all the time. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, what, what, what's the difference? I mean, how do you classify those two, two divisions of drugs? Because I, you know, I wouldn't want anyone that I care about, for example, to start picking up a cocaine habit because they're like, oh, I'm. I'm getting spiritual. I'm learning how to like, you know, scrub the toilet with a toothbrush Talk on crystal really, really meth fast. <laughs> yeah, and solve the world's problems. And, but I'd be really kind of happy if one of my friends said, you know, wow, I went out in the desert and I took mushrooms and, you know, had this amazing prayer ceremony or um, played drums or meditated or did something like that. I mean, Realized I think, why I have daddy issues. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, even going back into my early years, I had accidental spiritual experiences with psychedelics when I was totally just trying to party <laughs> and like be a, be a fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I was like playing in bands and, you know, just into the like rock and roll lifestyle yeah. and would take acid to go party. But then I would end up wandering around the woods and have some kind of spiritual experience, really. Yeah. Even though that wasn't my intent. So I think there are things that are useful for that, especially if that is your intention. Yeah. Wow, what what an amazing thing to happen. Like, I remember the first time, actually, no, it was the second time. The first time I took LSD was in home ec in high school. <laughs> totally not, recommend, not recommended. Or I started to come on in the middle of, like, home ec class. You know, we were, like, playing like, whoa, with... this meat loaf looks weird. Yeah, we are like, playing with Tupperware lids or something. I don't, you know, it's totally a bad scene. But the second time, I was in Colorado, and I was out on this balcony or porch or something out, outside looking into the sky, and I had a realization that stuck with me forever, and it had nothing to do necessarily with God or spirituality per se, but I had the realization that I am really, really small. Yeah. And not not in a self-deprecating, you know, self-hatred way. It's just like, wow, it's not all that important, you know, being skinny and having big feet and not feeling cool and not feeling smart and all of those, as you said, some of those fears and insecurities started to become revealed and uh, and they were revealed to be the boogeymen that they actually were. Yeah. And so in that sense of uh, feeling small and insignificant in a positive way it was this huge understanding that i could see my it's almost like i could see myself from outer space i was looking down on the planet 
and then and then zooming into maybe the state of Colorado and then zooming into this mountain range and then zooming into this house and then zooming onto that porch and zooming into me and seeing how insignificant this one lifetime, this one trip around is right now. And that kind of stuck with me forever. And even in my darkest times and just the most challenging things I've had in my life, there's still that awareness Mm -hmm. that it's not that big of a deal you know it's like things are not as they seem and that came out of like a kegger (laughs) you know listening to like motley Crue and the universe works in mysterious ways yeah and you know and 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 also on that note i think those types of drugs i don't even like calling them drugs but for lack of a better term i mean acid's pretty strong but I've never met anyone in my life that's like, you know, you how you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm hitting the acid real hard, man. You know, I've, <laughs> I've done it 45 days in a row. I mean, or, or DMT, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> I've never met anyone that does DMT. And they're like, yeah, man, I just start craving it. I'm doing it after work. I go <laughs> no. in the bathroom. I pull my car over and I just do it all the time. And it's just it's like some people do it once and they're like, I'm good. Like I got the message. So. What's the distinction there? How can we help people understand, you know, and I'm not promoting that people do psychedelics or any other drugs, and I'm also not against any of the other ones. Some people need to have a dark experience in order to find the light. I mean, I think there's many, many paths and um, and many people to walk them. But from your perspective, being someone who really seems like you have your shit together, <laughs> you're, you don't seem like you know, someone that has a lot of trauma that you're running from, you're very present, you're very happy, you're responsible, you have this company, you don't seem like a burnout, like druggy type person, but you you also kind of are immersed in this subculture. So what's the difference between you and like a kid who ends up on intervention because they're <laughs> making crystal meth in their bathroom? Well, I think it definitely has to do with a different kinds of substances. So I like to categorize them in kind of two separate categories. If we start in the middle and we have kind of consensus reality, everyday sober reality, we can go in one direction. I'll arbitrarily pick left and you'll go down that side. Let's say it starts with alcohol, cigarettes, cocaine. You know, you go all the way down until you can get to like heroin or there might be even something farther down we don't know about. Ketamine? (laughs) Ketamine's an interesting one. We can come back to that. I'm just thinking about watching. There's one of those reality shows. It was an intervention. There was a there was another one out, which I I don't know. I downloaded and they followed this kid who was like addicted to ketamine. I was like, dude, that is the worst drug I've ever seen. But this kid, you know, had a problem with it. Maybe it has other uses. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. So you go to the left and you have those sort of um, highly refined. Uh, mostly, I mean, synthetic-ish kind of drugs. I like to call those ones atheogens. So they take you away from source, whatever your source is, God, science, Darwin, whatever you would like. And they put you highly into the ego state. To the right of the scale, you'll have, let's say, we'll start with, you know, marijuana and then psilocybin, and you can go into LSD and all the way down the line to ayahuasca and DMT. Those are the entheogens. They bring you closer to source and away from ego, more to like a heart-centered spiritual state. So that's a general starting point, like which side of the scale are you on? Now, that's not saying that, you know, you can't cross sides and have different effects because 
the biggest influence in what happens to you is your default mode, how you as a person are. If you're a fuck up loser, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, you have to change that in yourself. Now, I've, I know people who have taken some of the entheogens and completely flipped their lives around and now they're great people. That happens. But your set and setting is the highest influence on how you deal with whatever substance you take. So the set and setting is, you know, where are you at? Are you comfortable in the space you're in? Are you at home? Are you comfortable? Are you with your friends? Or are you stressed out? Are you in a place that you might run into the police? Are you doing something that's definitely illegal? You know, that gives you a, a level of anxiety that's going to affect your experience. And then also, what's your mental state like? Are you happy? Are you stressed out? Are you feeling guilty about something? Your external and internal setting is going to completely change your experience. So I always recommend, you know, if you aren't confident in one of those things, don't do anything. Don't take any substances. Just make yourself comfortable. Step one. Then decide if you're going to enhance your experience and how you're going to do that in a smart way that's bringing you to a positive place. And another way to help you have a personal development experience instead of recreational or negative experience is have a goal and have some activities to occupy you. So instead of just, you know, taking something and sitting around or watching TV, say, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this meditation or I'm going to draw a picture or I'm going to listen to my favorite album and really focus on enjoying it with headphones in my comfy PJs. Like I'm really going to be in the moment and make this an enjoyable meditation that helps me remember that it's a joyful experience to be a human. So, you know, there, there's a million different ways you can do that. And it, it depends on what kind of person you are. You know, I like to do yoga. But yeah, I, th I think that's a big difference is... You know, what substance are you taking? What's your set and setting? And what's your goal? Yeah, I guess it, it, it really comes down to one's own mental and emotional health, like the yeah. base state that they're starting with. And I think that's why you're a bit of a curiosity to me in that way. Because <laughs> I look at you, I'm like, wow, this girl seems just really healthy and balanced. And, you know, you just, you have a good brain. That's the way yeah. I, when I meet people like you, I go, yeah, they have a good mind. Their mind functions properly, which you know, has taken a long time and a lot of work to get mine even up to, you know, the level it is now. Most of the time it works pretty well. I, I don't have a perpetually negative or neurotic mind. It's pretty balanced a lot of the time, you know, but it, it took me a lot of work to get there. So I think someone who has a good base level maybe has some room for expansions where expansion, whereas what you're saying is that if someone has a lot of deep-seated emotional trauma and issues to work out, that going and taking some magical plant isn't necessarily going to make them pop out of that and become enlightened. No, I mean, if, if you want to work through some issues using plant medicine, have a guide, have a shaman to help you. There you go. That's the way you heal right. yourself. Right. Not listening to Led Zeppelin with black light posters. <laughs> no. And definitely do not put any media into your field that's negative or will start you down a rabbit hole. Like make sure everything is yeah. like PG unicorns and lollipops and happy, happy, happy time because you have enough imagination to deal with <laughs> out of yourself. You don't need anyone else creating any sort of false reality for you to confront.
Yeah, you're not sitting down watching horror movies. No, don't, <laughs> don't watch the news. Don't watch horror movies. Yeah, <laughs> watch your favorite comedy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's good advice. Okay, so I I want to just cover one little thing before we wrap it up here, mm-hmm. and that is on the other end of things that you can eat, put in your body, things that come from plants that might help you uh, expand your awareness. What about things that just help your performance? I mean, I'm a huge fan of nootropics and smart drugs. I take racetams just about every day, usually aniracetam, uh, modafinil. I don't take it by any means every day, but I don't know, every couple weeks, I'll have a couple days where I really want to grind out 700 emails in an hour, you know, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> you know, I want to How do you str- get to that level? I mean, 700 <laughs> yeah. emails an hour. That's great. <laughs> well, what a, you know, I'm exaggerating, of course, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of great things that, that one can take that aren't necessarily psychoactive, but yeah. just, you know, are really help you to perform or to focus. Well, or I would with- argue that's psychoactive. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess it is psychoactive. They don't I guess. cause they don't euphoria. Get, they don't get you high per se, right? Yeah, and no euphoria. You... Euphoria is legal. You're not allowed to feel good. Like things that, that I'm into taking are things that make me feel more present and like more sober. Like my idea of high is ultimately present and sober and just absolutely focused in the moment. So... um you know, like Fenibit is great for that. There's just a few different things that I've experimented with. And I've, I'm finding a lot of success with that. And I mean, even just eating a ketogenic diet and just having a brain that's full of fat and doesn't have any sugar in it is a smart drug in itself, you know? Yeah. So but those are um, all altered states. Don't tell me that. I want to think I'm so natural. <laughs> Where does the fenibut plant come from? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, there is no anorazidam plant either, for sure. So what are some of the other things that, that you like to play around with when, you know, you need to get a lot of work done or you want to focus? I know you've mentioned to me in the past that sometimes you'll take, for example, and I guess this is getting back on the psychedelic train, but you'll take like micro micro tiny doses of psilocybin mushrooms as a way to boost creativity and then you'll work on your business plan or website or something like that yeah. it's like hard for me to imagine so what are some things like that 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 you've played around with that you find effective well what's really interesting about micro dosing psilocybin is at very very tiny levels it's uh it gives you energy and focus like a five-hour energy drink would but it's not full of weird chemicals so a lot of the herbs I find these, uh, I guess you could call them psychedelic herbs at very low doses have a opposite effect that you think they would. Like there's no, you know, funky colors. You're not like imagining things that are there, aren't there. You're just super present. Like you eye gaze with someone and you're like, I can read your mind right now. I'm so present. Uh, but performance enhancing I like I like the you know cordyceps mushrooms are great. Um, I don't go into the sort of nootropics as much, although a lot of my friends do. But I find just having a really good fat-filled breakfast really like gets me focused and gets me there. Like I'm a big ketogenic diet kind of person. If I want to be really on top of my game. I have like eggs and homemade pate for breakfast with a bulletproof coffee and I'm good to go, like amped up. Uh, most of the herbs I take are to relax, actually. 
because I tend to have a really, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm constantly coming up with ideas. I always want to do another project. I'll work all day and come up with another project to do. So when I end the day and night, I need to like amp myself down from being in this sort of alpha brain state where I'm, I'm boss lady all day long. You know, once I'm done working, I want to be chill, like squishy kitty on the floor and just relax. Okay, so do tell. Which you could argue is enhancing my performance at relaxing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So what are some things that you uh, play with to do that? Yeah, uh, well, a legal one that I really like is Kratom or Kratom. I've heard people pronounce it both ways. It is a leaf from Southeast Asia. It's related to the coffee plant. Uh, at low doses, people say it's energizing. I have never had that effect with it. Uh, when I take it, it's really relaxing. It It's kind of like if you took the dial of gravity and you turned it up to 11. Your body just feels soft and heavy and in a really like, you know when you get a really good deep tissue massage and you feel like jello? That's kind of what you feel like. But you maintain mental clarity so you can still communicate. You can still read a book if you want to. But you're going to be a puddle of gooey human on the floor. And uh, I think the ideal situation for Kratom would be if you lived on the beach and you can just walk out your front porch, plop down a towel with your favorite drink and just lay there and not get sunburnt all day long. Like that's the perfect place to take it. So it's that kind of beachy, relaxed, you know, lovely feeling. I wish you had some. <laughs> what, what about, uh, what about for sleep? Is there anything you do to enhance sleep? If you want to get like, just blast out a nine hour coma session, just a full recovery sleep. Is there a stack that you do or some things that yeah, I'll will take, knock you on your um, ass for a while? I'll take a light dose of Kratom. I find for me personally, I have, I'm a very vivid dreamer. If I take a lot of Kratom, it gives me really intense dreams not in a bad way, but just that they're so vivid, it wakes me up sometimes. Very strange sort of Dr. Seuss things. Uh, so I'll take a little, like a medium dose of that and then some kava will put me into a really good sleep state. But kava has a, a occasional side effect that I've run into and a couple of people I know have run into where every once in a while, you'll wake up in the middle of the night, super horny. <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> i take kava all the time and i thought that what was doing that was the pine pollen <laughs> that's great maybe it's the combination of both i'm gonna try that one that's funny <laughs> that's funny because that. like, oh. you know what i don't know if pine pollen does that for women but i remember when i first got the surthrival pine pollen i mean you know i just I'll just geek out on a supplement for a while and just see what happens. But I figured I probably started taking that maybe when I was 40. You know, I thought, well, my testosterone checks out nicely in my blood panel. But, hey, more might be better. And I definitely, that's one of the only supplements I've ever taken where something changed. And I was immediately really? like, whoa, yeah, what's going on here? High school style wake-ups, you know? <laughs> I don't want to go into too much graphic detail, but imagine a pup tent in your room. Uh, Have you tried Yohimbi? You know, I a long time ago. Yeah, everyone talks about it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, don't I tried know. a long time ago, but it was uh, it was so stimulating. Kind of like cola nut. Have you mm -hmm. ever had cola nut yeah. herb? I mean, that shit 
tweaks you out. It's like really strong. So Yohimbi kind of did that. And I was like, oh, You're like, oh not fun. I think I was going on a date. And like the last thing you want on like the first date is to be super amped up and more nervous. You, you took know? Yohimbi on a first date? Yeah. Ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> ambitious. I had high hopes. <laughs> Must have been a good text exchange going or something. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, yeah, I'm getting there. I don't honestly don't remember if I did, but uh, yeah, Yohimbi was a little bit, a little bit too much of a stimulant. I'm kind of like you. I like the slow jams. You know, I, yeah. I like calm focus. That's why I like. They don't make it anymore, but Bulletproof made this thing, uh, Gabba Wave, which was a like a you know kind of a souped up Fenibut that uh, Dave Asprey made. For whatever reason, they stopped making it, but that was one of my favorites because it's a calm focus. I don't mm. like having anxiety and being amped up. Like yeah. that's why I make my coffee half decaf. I really don't like being hyper. Yeah, I that's like why being... um, I'll stack modafinil with cannabis. Oh, interesting. Amazing. <laughs> interesting. I bet. I bet. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, that's what they call a high low. Yeah, I don't know if that's good for you, but, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't heard of anyone getting in any trouble with that yet. Okay. Well, wow. It's funny because we, you know, I always like bullet point out a couple notes and I, I put them on the table here. You can hear it at home, people. There's the notes. They're really there. And I might glance down at them, but I feel like we just got going and now I'm watching the clock and I'm like, oh, it's been an hour. That's how long this show is supposed to be. So I'll wrap it up and I think we might do, you know, a part two at some point because we could talk about all kinds of other things. Oh, yeah. We really just kind of stayed in this fairly narrow uh, lane here, which has been great. But before we do that, uh, the first thing I want to do is find out where people can find you because I definitely want to shout out to your websites and social media and all that. Great. So the personal care products are at uh, givemethedirt.com. And we are Give Me The Dirt on all of the social medias. And the cannabis and other herb products are at jombosuperfoods.com. And we are Jombo Superfoods on all of the social medias. Come follow us. Wow, you really are good at marketing. You got all your like correct social media handles. <laughs> this isn't my first rodeo. Yeah, I, I I had a hard time with that. I I wasn't able to get my own Twitter. Some oh yeah, I have the worst problem with that because there is a romance novel writer whose pen name is Shannon Drake. Really? So if you Google Shannon Drake, it's romance novels. Oh, really so fun you... for the online dating. Ah, uh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. The funnier part is it ends up being my partner Joe's aunt by marriage. So I like I she's in my field now. So someday I'm going to meet her and be like, yo, lady, you stole all my websites. That Heather. is that <laughs> yeah. is interesting. Right. Wow. Small world. I was lucky enough at least to get my own URL. But uh, with my fashion school, School of Style, I ran into an issue with that when I formed the school, schoolofstyle.com was taken. And so I had to add a, a the to the beginning of the URL, which always drive me nuts because it's like the Facebook, you know? Yeah. But School of Style was such a cool name that I just rolled with it. I didn't want to yeah, let the URL. Sometimes, yeah, just do it. So five years in, I, I you know, and I found the guy that had it. He was, uh, what do they call that? Not a squatter, but a... Um, what do they call that? Oh, there's a term that I can't remember. It's like somebody just buys up cool sounding URLs. And then, <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. Basically. But uh, yeah, the guy had the URL and, you know, I didn't want to name a price. He didn't want to name a price. He's like, well, I usually get five grand for something like yeah. this. And I was like, wow, that's not going to happen. And, you know, we eventually 
after five years came to an arrangement and I was able to get that URL. I was Hell so excited. Yeah. yeah, it was good. But trying to switch, you know, a company's 10 to 15 Gmail emails oh, man. that have the URL wrong, like we haven't... We haven't overcome that struggle. The struggle is real with changing the emails, as you can imagine. So entrepreneur problems. Yeah, I know. Sure. Quality problems. Okay. <laughs> so um, so that's where we can find you and your amazing companies. Now I have a question that I ask every guest at the end, and I haven't warned you about it. You have not. I didn't even listen to the other podcast to the but end. But it's it's super easy. And I'd like to ask you. What are your top three recommendations for books, philosophies, Mm. teachers, gurus, inspiration? Like, who are your teachers? You've taught us a lot today. Who has taught you? Mm. That's a good question. Books? I mean, I love anything by Zig Ziglar for motivation in business. Great. Love it. I wish he was my grandpa. Oh, my God. I have something for you. Oh, what? I have a laminate. It's a Zig Ziglar affirmation. That's yes. so funny. They're on my um, my living room table, and uh-huh. I almost handed you one earlier because yeah. I, I made a stack of them to give to my clients. It's one of the things I work on with them is just you know spiritual and success principles. And so you do this affirmation every morning, every night. Ideally, I do it some nights, days. some mornings. <laughs> It's a tough habit to, you know, really keep. But yeah, it's Zig Ziglar. And I almost handed it to you and I was like, ah, she probably won't think it's corny. She won't get it. You know, it's so oh funny. My God, no way. I don't meet anyone really like, I don't know, especially females for some reason that are hip to Zig Ziglar. Yeah. Even my guy friends, he's a little too old. They, oh, they miss I that. Like <laughs> no, he's bomb. Yeah, I love all that stuff. I mean, that comes from the lineage of Napoleon Hill. I mean, yeah, all of that. Like, like Napoleon Hill, read his stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That would be one of mine, you know. So anyway, okay, yeah, Zig, okay Ziglar, Zig Ziglar. Totally. Uh, Alan Watts. Amazing. Love Alan Watts. I got an iTunes full of that, oh, too. Oh, man, he just blows my mind all the time. Yeah. And then I would say for a practice, do kundalini yoga. I mean, kundalini yoga with cannabis has been one of the biggest tools to my own personal development and my sort of spiritual enlightenment, for lack of a better word. I hate using that term, but yes. Uh, it's completely just made me a much better version of myself. And I was already pretty good. But that combined with reading those sort of personal development and spiritual development books, it'll change your life. There's just no way I can't. If you if you read a full one of those books and do some yoga, you're going to have a major epiphanies about something. Awesome. Really great recommendations. And I'm all for all three. And I'm super excited because now I get to geek out on Ziggler with you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that guy. Okay, and he well, loved redheads, so, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> really? His wife is a redhead. He makes jokes about it all the time in his tapes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming to hang out with me on the show. And yeah. just, we had a great night and I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, more yoga. <laughs> As we bring this episode to an end, I'm sitting here wondering, how many of you are super high right now because you took a bunch of edibles <laughs> during the show? Or maybe you microdosed some LSD and now this sounds like wow, 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 wow. Or you're like, bro, I think the show's over, dude. Let's eat some cereal. No, don't eat cereal. It's full of gluten and glyphosate. You don't want that. Eat some organic 
non-GMO brownies. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm ending the show, and I'm telling you to do this. you got to listen to me. I'm going to get you while your mind is impressionable. Share this episode with someone that you know. Click forward somewhere on your screen there and let someone know about the Lifestylist podcast and this episode with Shannon Drake specifically. And then I've got one more command for you. It's the one commandments of Luke Story. I want you to go to my website, lukestory.com, sign your ass up for my newsletter so I can send you an announcement when I release a new show every week and send you all of the show notes and links and resources to everything that was talked about. Don't you want to be able to remember the website for Jamba Superfoods and the dirt that Shannon talked about and anything and everything else that every guest ever mentions? I bet you do. So go to lukestory.com, sign up for the newsletter. And also want to remind you, don't miss next week's episode with David Wolf, number 22. That's a really great interview. One of my all-time favorite gurus in the health industry. I think you're really going to enjoy that. And until then... Be happy, be safe, and be free. I'd like to remind you to get your 15% discount hookup over at foursigmatic.com. This is where you're going to find the world's most convenient, potent, and delicious medicinal mushroom and herbal blends. These are great standalone drinks or add-ons that you can put into your coffee. They're really great to drink at night because they don't have caffeine. You can also use them before workouts, in moments of concentration. They're just amazing little packets of magical power. So enjoy that 15% discount by entering the lifestylist at foursigmatic.com. Again, the discount code is the lifestylist at foursigmatic.com. Sigmatic.com.